right. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. I'm Elizabeth Sherry. I am the Director of Special Events for Twin Cities Wedding and Event Professionals. I'm really excited to introduce the panel that I have here today for our first virtual Collab Lab. Collab Lab is a program that we have as an offshoot to our networking opportunities where we deep dived in with vendors about things that are affecting our industry and hearing more and really educating ourselves. And today I have Nikki McLean from uh, Royal Craft Foundry Spirit. She is co-owner and CMO, Chief Marketing Officer. And I also have Julie Turan from Crave Catering. She's a catering sales manager there. And we're gonna deep dive into what venues, caterers are doing to prepare for what the future of events look like because goodness knows it's changing. So I'm really excited to chat with these folks today. Welcome everyone. And if you don't hi, mind, hi, I would love to hear. I'll start with Julie. Julie, can you tell me a little bit about what Crave is doing right now and how it's feeling right now? Um, I, we can kind of imagine, but I'd love to hear personally from you. Sure. Thanks, Elizabeth. We appreciate uh, the time here today. Yeah, Crave Catering is healthy right now because we are uh, all at home. I'm at my kitchen table and uh, it's, you know, it's trying to remain hopeful during this time, working with clients and just trying to help them make good decisions, right? Since mid-March, we've been uh, postponing uh, events, canceling a few, unfortunately. Most of our clients have been able to postpone to a later date, either this year or you know, sometime in 2021. Um, but, you know, it's tough, as I'm sure it is for everybody listening, when you have no revenue coming in and just trying to stay positive and looking forward to, um, you know, getting back to, to business, whatever that normal will be. Yeah, you know, more the uncertainty of the future. I think a lot of companies are struggling with that. It's, yeah. we know we're without income right now, but how long and what's that future going to look like? So I yeah. understand fully, Julie. And now, Nikki, can you tell me a little bit about your business and how you guys are doing? I, kudos to you for being not only a small business, but a new business. I mean, you started last year. Yeah, so when we launched at the end of 2018 and we had a, a pretty successful 2019, I don't think anyone predicted what was going to happen in 2020. And we actually had a lot of events uh, on the books. So not only are we a distillery, we make alcohol, et cetera. We have a large cocktail room that's open to the public. Well, not currently right now. And then we make a lot of money from our three event spaces that we have. And so I was really proud of my event coordinator because she had booked a ton of things for the spring and summer. And we've got a lot of weddings coming up this fall. And there's just a lot of uncertainty of like, when will we be able to have more than 10 people at a gathering inside? And can, can some of those larger events take place? Uh, similar to what Julie said, we had a lot of people that have been very flexible and patient and have not canceled, but rather are rebooking with us which is great because we want to see their events come to life. It's just going to look and feel differently. Yeah, that's true. Look and feel. And to when that's going to happen, we, we don't know. But, you know, to get you through this time, and I'll start with you, Nikki, on this one too. Are you retooling in a way to try and bring in income during this time? Yeah, so because we're not physically open, the only thing that we are legally able to sell right now is our small bottles of gin. And I think I might have one right here. So this is it. It's just a little small bottle. It retails for about $22. So as you can imagine, that does not replace our weekly cocktail sales or any event sales that I would have. 
Um, we actually had two products that were supposed to come to launch this spring as well that are delayed just due to government regulations, being able to sell, get it at our distributor, et cetera. Um, we did not necessarily jump on the hand sanitizer bandwagon like everyone else because we had to furlough most of our staff and it really is just my husband that is making everything. So it's a lot for one person to do. Mm -hmm. Plus, as you can imagine, a lot of the ingredients that are needed to make the hand sanitizer besides the base alcohol were not readily available five, six, seven, eight weeks ago. So, um, and then as far as events, our leads have kind of come to a halt. I maybe get like a couple emails a week uh, with questions more so than anything, not a lot of leads. So um, we don't have a lot coming in from an event standpoint. Okay. And, and Julie, is Crave retooling right now, either pivoting to um, appeal to a different market or, or how are you guys kind of getting through this time? Yeah, uh, like Nikki, we've had to furlough um, kind of the bulk, you know, all of operations, um, all of culinary, sadly, um, have been furloughed. Some of sales, we've got a core sales team uh, working from home um, individually. We are getting leads in. Uh, they're starting to ramp back up. So Nikki, you might see that as well pretty soon. Um, you know, we've got a couple of event spaces as well and the social leads. So we've had requests for uh, weddings in August and September mm -hmm. and um, a couple of funerals. So I think that social aspect is starting to come back. Um, I specialize in corporate events and I, you know, I told you earlier, Nikki, that I don't, everything of mine has postponed yeah. um, until November. My first event coming up for it, and it's a nonprofit, is in November. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that corporate will come back quite as quickly. Um, and then we're just hoping if we're, you know, if we can be up and running by, you know, July 1st, even for small events, you know, we're, we're, we've reworked our food and beverage minimum. Food costs are kind of food costs and actually they're going up right now. And so we've left our menu as is, mm -hmm. but we've reduced our food and beverage minimums, mm -hmm. not, not to appeal to a different clientele, but to appeal to a smaller event size. Mm -hmm. But if you will, if we can only have 50 people, 75 people, a hundred people, we're not saying, Oh, you have to spend $10,000 in food. Yeah. So yeah. that's kind of where our big focus has been. Um, around retooling, I guess, is just to meet a smaller group size. Oh, that's really smart. And actually a perfect segue into now talking about when events do come back online, how do they look different? So I'll start with you, Julie. We'll go to Nikki after that. But really, when we do meet again, whether it's a social or corporate event, what procedures are, are Crave putting in place? Yeah. Um, well, I think that events are going to look very different, um, you know, for sure in the short term, possibly for a year or longer. Um, we're kind of, you know, looking at it right now. And again, I, I can't foresee everything. We haven't done an event for, you know, months. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, but our client expectations right now are different. Um, some clients we've been kind of working with to, I would say, coach in a polite way, <laughs> um, about best practices and safety. You know, we have to be concerned, obviously, about the safety of our guests, but also about the safety of our staff. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we had a, a, a wedding couple that had asked that our staff not wear masks and gloves. And we just said, no, like, that's, that's not possible. If, you know, we want our staff, the masks and gloves keep you safe, you know, not necessarily our staff safe. So we've, my staff has to wear masks and gloves in the short term. Um, so just trying to communicate that to clients. Um, 
We are not selling buffets at this time. We're not selling stations, although that may come back if we can figure out a way to, to retool kind of a chef interactive station mm -hmm. so that it looks more like, you know, my chef putting everything together. We certainly can't have guests all touching the same tongs at a rice bar or something. Mm -hmm. um, trying to talk about, you know, small things like, you know, couples or even events are used to having a dessert and coffee station. And that's not really feasible at this time. We've got to do that table side for mm -hmm. folks. Mm -hmm. So I think those are the, the three things we're thinking about our, our staff safety, client safety, and then just food service styles are going to have to change. Interesting. And, and should I just do a quick follow-up on that, Julie? Are you guys looking into anything prepackaged? I heard that that might be the new unfortunate food trend of the coming year. Yeah, uh, we're completely retooling our delivery menu. So Crave Catering does have a limited delivery menu that we mm -hmm. offer. Um, and we're, we're right now looking at packaging that is, um, you know, looks like Crave still, mm -hmm. um, but that can be an individual, you know, we're gonna have to do individual hot meals, sandwiches and salads and that kind of stuff, super easy to do individually, mm -hmm. but we're gonna have to meet a demand for a hot uh, delivery as well. Mm -hmm. I don't know that we'll need that for events if, you know, just the normal way of doing a plated dinner where you've got the plate covers on and, you know, my staff in back is, you know, using additional sanitary methods as, as well as PPE. Mm -hmm. My staff in front is doing the same. So bringing someone a, a, a dinner with the plate cover on it should be essentially the same as if I actually had like a pretty box yeah, to put it in. Sure. And Nikki, how are you from a venue perspective, but also as a bar perspective, seeing the future look of events for you um, and procedures you're putting into place? Yeah, so very similar to what Julie said, we're first and foremost thinking about our staff. So I've read through the entire state of Minnesota guidelines. I wrote a business plan recently about how, because we had to put that together in order for us to reopen next week. Mm -hmm. And as much as you were saying the customers maybe don't want to wear the masks, our staff absolutely has to. I'm, I'm not so sure about the gloves. They will wear the gloves when they're preparing anything like that. But as you can imagine, you can't wash the gloves and you don't want to go through multiple pairs and, and throw them away, et cetera. So we are, um, we've always had to have um, high standards of cleanliness because as a bar or restaurant facility, you have to have that same thing with food service, et cetera. Um, I think from our customer standpoint, we're, we're going to focus on education. So lots of signage, social media posting. Um, technically, the way it's written right now, you have to make a reservation to come to our patio when we open next week. That's weird for people. People don't, people make a reservation to go out to dinner. They don't make a reservation to go out to drink. So mm. we have to shift the mind, uh, the mindset a little bit on doing that, but it is a requirement as well as tracking emails and phone numbers for like contact tracing as well. Um, we've had to think about how our drinks will look. Um, we love having beautiful fancy glasses and nice garnish and all those kind of things that make the cocktails very handcrafted and beautiful. Mm -hmm. That may not be able to happen anymore. If we can cut back on the amount of fruit that we're cutting and, and garnish that we're putting in drinks, those mm -hmm. kind of things, it will help, I think, from a touch standpoint. Um, we've talked about not even using glass anymore and possibly using mm -hmm. sustainable cups that people can get their drinks in and then easily just toss as they're leaving the patio. We're also worried about safety with glass of having it outside on a concrete facility. Our, our floors are concrete inside too. So that's something that when we're allowed to be open inside again, we'll be thinking about. Events I think will definitely be smaller in size. Um, 
some of my bigger events for later this year for weddings were 200 to 300 people. I've talked to all the couples and they're considering reducing headcount. It's not that they want to eliminate the older family members, but um, definitely taking into consideration that they may not want to come because they don't feel safe or they're at risk um, and that kind of thing. And so I think just being careful with how they're looking at their attendee counts as well. Um, I have a shower coming up at the end of June where the woman is adamant that she wants to have 35 people and it's going to have to be outside because right now I can't have anything inside and we can give her the whole patio. We can space it out with the furniture, et cetera. But it is just a little worrisome because I don't know that the average consumer or customer knows the laws that we face as a business owner. We are not willing to get fines. We are not willing to get, um, lose our license to sell liquor or make liquor. So I think those are going back to that customer education. Those are just things that we're going to have to reiterate to people over and over so that they understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a challenge actually, as I think about it more is that people are just like, Oh, well, I'll go do that myself thinking it's as carefree as what yeah. they just made a decision on. But as a business, they're like, wow, that could actually have XYZ ramifications. Yes. Um, and that's concerning. So we're very worried about the liability. And even I, I think about this nightly, actually, like what if somebody comes and then they sit on the patio and then they get COVID and then they come back and say that they got it at our facility. Like those are the things that we have to worry about. And it's, we own this ourselves. Mm -hmm. So it's, it, it becomes like a personal liability as well as a company liability. And that's, that's really worrisome to me. And if you guys don't mind, I'd actually kind of love to dabble a little bit in that liability piece. Um, as a planner, I have an event in two weeks, and the venue proposed a liability claim on us to take ownership if somebody is sick and we're hosting this event. It, the the liability is now on us as the event owner, um, and we're I mean our lawyers are actually getting involved in this too because right now one that's unprecedented um, because it's unprecedented times as much as we hate that word. And then the piece of it is, is that we would rather have that ownership be taken upon the attendees coming in because they have more control in that than we do. So mm -hmm. if I can ask you guys, what, where are you feeling with liability that you guys might feel as a company um, or that your staff might feel coming to back to work? So Nikki, can I start with you and then go to Julie? Sure. So um, don't quote me on this because I don't have our contract template We're in front of me. We're not lawyers. I do, I do believe that we have currently, pre-COVID, we had a mutual liability uh, contract term or clause in our event agreement. That will definitely be something that we look at as we write new agreements from like today forward because, as you can imagine, we, we carry a heavy amount of insurance as far as because we make and sell alcohol because we have the venue, it's set up as a separate LLC, separate from the distillery, so that if multiple parties were getting sued, we don't have to worry about that, et cetera. But I, I, I do agree with what you're saying, and I'm sure your lawyers are thinking of this. It's hard to put the onus on you as a planner, because while you're inviting them to come, they don't have to come. It's their decision if they want to come or not. And so I'm, I'd be curious to know if you're making them sign anything that says like, uh, that the liability will be on them. I mean, maybe you're still figuring that out, but I, 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 we've thought about possibly because the renter or whoever is renting the space is the one who signs our contract. So it doesn't have anything to do with the attendees coming, but I think I would also probably put the onus on whoever's planning it 
to say, you need to make sure that your attendees know this is what they have to do if they come. They have to wear a mask if they're inside, which right now we can't be. Mm -hmm. um, they need to make sure they're not being symptomatic. I mean, we're following all the checklist things that the CDC and Minnesota have put out. Mm -hmm. And just sure that in a pre-attendee communication, and I sound very formal saying that, mm -hmm. but if you think about it from like a corporate event or uh, even a nonprofit event, they're more, I think, thoughtful about that. I don't know that some of the lifestyle events think through all those challenges and, and checklist type things that might need to be addressed to their attendees. Because you might be telling your grandma and grandpa, hey guys, if you want to come to my wedding, you're going to have to do X, Y, and Z. And they may not be like, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to come or, you know what I mean? So. Yeah, no, good point. And, and Julie, from your perspective, you know, for catering, I think there's already a lot of risk when it comes to food service, but how are you guys going to handle liability going forward? Well, we've been having some conversations with um, planners that we work with, as well as venues that we work at, um, and just trying to share some of the responsibilities um, of, of keeping guests safe. Um, you know, so we, you know, we were talking to venues and we're like, well, if we, you know, our staff, we're going to take their temperature when they come in, we're going to provide gloves, and we know we're going to have to provide like 20 sets for every server because we're going to mm -hmm. go through so many. We're providing masks. Um, we're, you know, we're, we're making sure that our staff, our linens, our china, our flatware, the stuff that we're bringing with us, our food obviously is going to be safe. Um, and then we're talking to venues and just saying, so, you know, what kind of signage are you going to have at the door? You know, is it going to say you must wear a mask? Is it going to say we encourage you to wear a mask? Mm -hmm. How are we encouraging um, social distancing at a bar? Right? Like, are you going to have some cute little bubbles printed up every six feet in front of the bar? Like, what, what are we going to do? Because uh, if we're serving that bar, you know, but it, it, it's not necessarily our venue. So it's tough to have a, you know, to have a shared responsibility. And I hadn't thought, Nikki, um, I like that idea about having kind of a pre-attendee uh, waiver, maybe, um, that would, you know, particularly for corporate events and nonprofit events, they do a lot of pre-communication already. Mm -hmm. um, and having the attendees just say, you know, we understand that, you know, you're following all of the state and local guidelines. We understand that, uh, you know, you're going to be, you know, serving us safely. We also understand that we can't control all the attendees there. And we take responsibility for our own health mm -hmm. coming in and going out of this event. Mm -hmm. um, I. I don't know how you do that with a wedding yeah. or a funeral. I don't know mm -hmm. how to make that happen. I know because you're really reliant on the family member to take mm -hmm. that responsibility. And especially with a funeral, they're already going through so much that it's like, that's probably the last thing they want to think about. Mm -hmm. We usually, um, and we've talked about this even before COVID, sometimes with lifestyle celebrations, yes, there's a professional planner. Yes, there's sometimes a wedding planner and sometimes there's not. And so we always want to know, who is the point of contact and who is going to own that? Mm -hmm. um, same thing with, um, we don't have food at our establishment. Like Crave is actually one of our preferred partners. Mm -hmm. So as we are having a client book you, then you're responsible for the food aspect of it. We're responsible for the bar drink setup of it. Yeah. But, and, it and if there's any other rental furniture, decor, flowers, anything like that, that would come in. And speaking, this is also kind of a side topic, um, Elizabeth, is what are all the other vendors doing? Like, I think that's why I love this group so much is that it's a way to collaborate and share ideas. But I've been wondering, like, are people going to cut back on florals? Are they going to, um, you know, how are all the rental furniture going to be cleaned and like all those kind of things? Because we've even talked about getting rid of our soft furniture. Um, we have some couches and chairs that just can't be cleaned in that way that they should be to meet the standards. So we put them away. We won't even offer them anymore. Because oh, goodness. Oh, yeah. Plastic. 
get coverings on couches come back, goodness help us, right? Ooh. I know, I know, but we want stuff that we can clean and sanitize and yep. not have to worry about that a sick person sat on a couch and then I can never use the couch again. You know what I mean? So those yeah. kind of things. No, and, and that's, well, two interesting points from what you said, Nikki, is that we are doing a, a full series. So we're excited to say that we are gonna have a series here next week that's gonna talk more deep dive into social events and, and vendors and what they're doing. Because I am equally as curious, what, from your perspective, you're gonna see it better than I do. What does that look like? Yeah. Um, but a theme I'm hearing from both you, Julie and Nikki, is that the collaboration between vendors is gonna be essential. And it's gonna be something where I'm seeing it as both of us, all of us coming together as, look, I'm just as unknown to this as you. What can we do to make this work? What, you know, what are you doing? Okay, great, I can do this and add this. And it's a lot of teamwork for a team that the vendor or client puts together, <laughs> which is so interesting. So I think more than ever um, important to, to collaborate and have discussions. So if I can um, finalize this with our last question here, you know, future is a weird term right now because it's so unknown. But from what you guys can see and when events come back to a larger number, is there anything that we can predict right now is gonna be the case? And this is, I'm gonna say before a vaccine, but after we're gonna have to come up with a new normal. So we talked a little bit about it, but if you guys can elaborate on what is a new normal and an ideal world for you guys to maintain your business. I'll start with you, Nikki. Sure. So I think first and foremost, the, the cleanliness absolutely has to be almost at like perfection levels. And we already were a very clean establishment because we make a product on site. We're held to certain rules and regulations um, to keep our license, et cetera. I think it's going to require a lot more cleaning um, because not only would we do it pre-shift and at the end of a shift when we're closed, but after in each person sits, there's going to have to be cleaning that's done, et cetera. So I think that's mm -hmm. the number one thing. Um, I, I think the whole way in which we serve beverages is going to change. Uh, my husband's been doing a lot of research on pre-batch cocktails and having them like those beautiful beverage crafts and, and julie i'm sure you guys have these i love them like you, people used to put like teas and lemonades and water and stuff from them i actually see alcoholic drinks going in them too because then you can limit the amount of um there could be one server that's you know distributing the drinks and then limiting that contact with people but i think the way that we saw bar service before at events will change forever until we have a vaccine and people feel comfortable I also think event sizes will decrease and um, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing is, is up to each individual group or, or booking, but I just don't see those two and 300 and more type events happening this year. Um, I, I'm going to miss some of those festivals and those large gather gatherings because they're so fun and the spirit of why you're even having them, I think will still be there, but it's just not going to feel the same and, and it's not going to look the same as far as sizing goes. Interesting. And Julie, from your perspective, what are you going to see be the new normal? Yeah, boy, that is so tough to predict. Like you said, we just don't know, you know, our biggest driver of, of what's possible is what the state mandates, right? So right now they're mandating, you know, zero. We can't have anybody indoors. So we're anticipating, right, fingers crossed, hoping that that loosens up in stages hopefully starting July 1st, where maybe we can have 50 people at an event, you know, and, and by September 1st, maybe that's 100. We honestly don't know. So we're trying to stay flexible, plan for smaller events, 
um, and, and, you know, just work with, you know, guidelines right now that we can foresee to keep, to keep staff and clients safe. You know, like I said, including the PPE and the, you know, change of food service style. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And building that inventory you guys are going to need for the future. Because you yes. don't know if there's going to be a shortage. already stocking gloves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's, I think, things that people don't realize, too, is that the, the supply chain is so essential here. And all of a sudden, they could say that there's a shortage on, I mean, Julie, especially for you, there's shortage on beef. Well, beef's off the menu, so now yeah. what are we going to do? Uh, so flexibility and collaboration, I'm going to say, are the two words I'm really pulling from our conversation here today. Um, so I really appreciate both of your time, Nikki, Julie, your expertise, especially. Um, there's a reason why we reached out to you to have this conversation today. So thank you so much for the time. And um, thank you all for tuning in to this conversation uh, for our Collab Lab virtual number one. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thanks, Elizabeth.